the Christ. We will sing to him. We're going to hear again the gospel truth of his coming to us in the flesh, as promised long ago. And we're going to celebrate that child who is the light. He's the light of the world. In a moment, we're going to hear a further word of what we're calling context for the evening. But uh, for starters, we're going to ready ourselves for rejoicing by attending to the words of an anthem, an anthem that's calling us to come rejoicing. So listen. to the words, you'll catch at least that part, what a wonder God has given. That's certainly part of our context for tonight. That's God's gift. We're also using a little play on words the last few weeks, and that's referring to God's presence, his presence with us, not just in the sense of a material gift. And if you have been with us on Sunday mornings, and even if you haven't, uh, perhaps you know that the Psalms have much to say about God's presence, his presence among his people. We're looking at these spiritual pilgrims. We're following them up the hill all the way to the holy city of Zion, which is in Jerusalem. The very songs of ascents is what we've been looking at in our series of late. And most recently, we've been walking through the verses of Psalm 132, which is a song that celebrates, among other things, the excitement that surrounds the presence of God. Verses 1 through 5, we talked about the wanting of this presence. We looked at verses 6 through 10 and talked about the returning of this presence very specifically as it showed up in the Ark of God's Covenant as it made its way back to Jerusalem after a long delay. And then tomorrow, Lord willing, we're going to look at the sending of God's presence. That'll be the final verses of Psalm 132. But before we get there, tonight we want to talk about promising presence promising presence. And we're going to do that by stepping back into this psalm. We're going to turn our attention to verses 11 and 12. These are verses that are printed in your bulletins tonight if you'd like to follow along. And as we walk through them, 
these, uh, just these two verses. They're going to be coupled with other scriptures, of course, and music. But keep something in mind as we move along and anticipate tomorrow. When God offers us his presence, we need to open up to that. That's what we've been looking at, and that's what we'll look at again tomorrow. We need to open up, meaning that we need to open up by faith and embrace the gift that he has given in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. I trust you're ready to do that tonight, even as we're gathered here in his name. And if you are ready, then hasten swiftly, hasten softly, hasten down to Bethlehem. Let's stand together. Let's hear the call of the Lord as it comes to us from Psalm 132. We heard it in Ephrathah. We came upon it in the fields of Jaar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with righteousness. May your saints sing for joy. We will sing. In fact, we're going to join the angelic host that proclaims that Christ is born in Bethlehem. The song is number 339 in our blue psalters. Hark, the herald angels sing. 339. Sing glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. 
my highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man to man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. The herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the hand-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness. Night and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Pray together. Father, we do sing glory tonight and we hail the incarnate deity because he was pleased as man, with man, to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Lord, as we celebrate his presence on this evening, we would ask for hearts, uh, for lives that are open to him and to the salvation that he alone can give. We pray for this conviction in the name of the Christ who did come just as promised. Amen. Please be seated. Hear the word of the Lord. For the sake of David, your servant, do not reject your anointed one. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. That is what the Lord says. And that is what the Lord did when he fulfilled the promise about installing a king and a kingdom. It would be his king, his anointed one. He would come. He would come through the house of David. He would come for a kingly purpose. He would come to the town of David. He would come in the flesh, and he would come as promised. And there in Bethlehem, he would make his presence known as God's gift to the world. A world in need of light. So we are talking about presence tonight. To which the faithful may well cry out, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Let's sing of that fulfillment as promised by using these words in the green songs for worship, number 131. Please remain seated while you sing.
sing the last verse a cappella as a prayer in our hearts. swore an oath to David, a sure oath that he will not revoke. In mere moments, uh, many of you are going to be opening presents. Some of you are going to find yourself opening uh, something that you knew already was coming to you. The odds are good that in a group this size, uh, you had been promised something even before tonight, and you know even what the package looks like. Do you know how you knew? Say, because you, you peeked in the super secret closet? No. Uh, because your brother blabbed? Maybe, but no. No, this is why you knew. It's because the giver of the gift told you. He told you what was coming. In fact, you were told months ago, during the summer even, when this person said to you, you know what? That's what you're going to get for Christmas. That's what I'm getting you. And it was a nice gift. Maybe at the time you thought to yourself, really? He's going to get that for me? That? For me? Can he even afford it? Plus, come Christmas, will he even remember that he said that to me? And then you say to yourself, self, do you really think he'll give it? And if that's what you've been thinking, then uh, you'll know soon enough if those questions are true. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow morning, if that's when you open your gifts. But if you've had to wait a little while, you'll know pretty soon. And you have to admit it, though. If someone promises you a very special gift, certain things go through your head, especially if you have to wait. There are understandable questions to ask when presents are promised. It makes sense to consider both the character of the person giving it, and also not only the character, but the capability of this promiser. The one who's saying, I will give you this. Is he, she, is she trustworthy? Faithful to the word that was just given you? Or is this person more likely to forget? Change his mind. Is there a history from this person promising you? Is there a history of this person making promises and keeping promises? And not only that, but does he have the ability to deliver on that promise? It's very important when we get excited about things. Does, does he have the necessary ways and means for producing, for providing the said promise? Uh, that, too, is worth considering, especially if it's a big-ticket item. Getting your hopes up. Is it something extravagant, something very costly, something very nice? Here's our first question for tonight. What do you know about the one promising 
the promiser? Do you know enough to get your hopes up, even as you plan to open up maybe that gift tonight? Listen again, Psalm 132, verse 11. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath that he will not revoke. And a summary of the promise itself does follow. But before we open up to that, we need to open up to the promise-er. That's why we're pausing right here, the promise-er. In other words, we need to ponder both the character and the capability of the gift's giver. Because that will matter, especially once we are told the nature of the presence being offered here. Do you already know the presence that he has promised? Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty. From the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn, and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill What the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, and he was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Is the sovereign Lord, the one who had promised, is he able and is he faithful to make good on the promise he makes. A song for any season says that he is. So we're going to gather in his presence on this Christmas Eve and sing that song together as we proclaim his great faithfulness. The song is number 408 in our blue psalters. Let's stand as we sing this one, 408. Passion they fail not as the herd. 
sang about too. This promiser, what do you know about the promise made to David here? It's recorded in verse 11 of Psalm 132. Listen, here's the promise. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. You say to yourself, well, what is, does that have anything to do with Christmas Eve? Yes. So you might say, well, then why aren't we singing about that? We do. Um, Actually, a number of Christmas songs speak of the promise. The promise made by God to send a savior, a king. Tomorrow morning, we do plan to accent that note further, of course, as you would expect, as we even conclude a psalm. Yes, the psalms for Christmas. Even before we get there, though, look at this. We have one half of one verse. What do we hear? We hear really a poetic summary of the presence promised, promised by God. There's, of course, a longer version of the promise uh, found elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, In particular, 2 Samuel 7 has quite a bit to say about this matter, including uh, this word about a throne that's being established forever. It's very clear there. It's quite compelling. In fact, the promise to David is what we read about uh, just after the Ark of the Covenant gets returned, which is where we left off last time if you were here. David so much wanted that presence. He wanted the Lord's presence. He wanted a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. That's what David says in this psalm. And really that statement, if you recall, if you were here, and if you weren't, I'll just remind you. I can't remind you if you weren't here. The mighty one of Jacob It shows that David had knowledge. He was well aware of the prophecy, really the promise that was made to God's people back in Genesis, which means the beginning. Even the promise made to Adam, 
which is what? This is in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, we, we are assured that God would send a seed of the woman to crush the serpent's head. That sounds promising, and it is a promise. Plus, later to Abraham in chapter 17 of Genesis, we were told what? Well, he's told that kings would come from his seed, his family. Wow. And we're only in Genesis. Well, David knew the promise. He knew the promise of old. Now, now, it is true that initially God did set one of David's physical descendants on his throne. You know who that is? Who's David's son? Solomon. Solomon did come and rule uh, wisely, as you've probably heard by now. Uh, he built a magnificent temple. Maybe you know that too. And so on earth, an actual dynasty had begun. Very promising. You could call it a golden era. 1000 BC, things are looking good. But, and there had to be a but, we ask ourselves, is that all there is to this promise? The glory of an earthly kingdom some 3,000 years ago. No, I'll answer that one. Uh, this oath, we just heard the oath, this covenant, as we're about to see more clearly, it had to be more than that. It had to move beyond Solomon. It had to. Otherwise, the faithfulness of which we just sang, and not only of this promise, but also of the promise-er, could be left in doubt, uh, which in this case, I'll tell you, would completely ruin Christmas. And I mean that literally. We would not be singing tonight, won't be singing tomorrow, certainly wouldn't be singing forever. Furthermore, any presence you might think you have waiting for you would not be the presence of God with us. Psalm 132, verse 11, again. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. Question number two. What do you know about that promise made to David? Is that clear enough? Is it compelling even? You know, if I promised uh, my sons that I would place in their room uh, a GameCube system, console with four remote controllers, all attached to a 50-inch plasma screen, <laughs> I assure you that news would be well-received. That would serve as both a clear promise, see how specific that was, 50-inch plasma screen. And for them, it would be a compelling promise, meaning they would want it. They would look forward to it longingly, longing for the day of fulfillment of that said promise. And I dare say, the longer the delay, the greater the longing. Assuming that is, they still believe me later on. Father, they will say. That's what they'll call me in 40 years. Uh, <laughs> Father, about the game system. <laughs> you remember. The one promised. When? When will we get to open it? Do you know what you're opening tonight? Some of you do. Do you know what you're celebrating? Hear the word of the Lord. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. 
you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn.
Hear the word of the Lord. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. You might say to yourself something like, it figures, or aha. There is a catch then. Evidently, the promise, the one made by the promiser, it has a condition attached. It appears the promisees, the recipients, have some responsibility in the promise. That is the very next verse. You see that? Verse 12. Psalm 132, clearly it lays it out, if then. It's called a conditional clause, right? Not a Santa clause. This is, <laughs> this is a serious, serious clause. Do you see it? I want you to see it. It's in your bulletins, uh, but I also want you to know it's in your Bibles, which is why we put it in your bulletins. You need to see that because this too is part of the true Christmas story. This is the part that reminds us that if the promise is going to continue, especially forever and ever, verse 12, if that's going to be the case, then somebody must keep covenant. The statutes, the laws, the ones that God teaches and requires, you see, even the ones at Sinai, the ones that he gave to Moses, yeah, those. In other words, God's promise, for it to become a reality, God's promise will demand righteousness. Perfect righteousness, perfect obedience. Then sons will receive what is promised. See, So let's go back to the GameCube system. That one that may or may not be under someone's tree tonight. I want to add to that promise, this condition that says, boys, promisees, remember that gift that I promised you? Yes. Well, it will be yours if, if you obey me perfectly, perpetually, and purely from the heart forever. <laughs> How does that sound? And their countenance falls. And they say, Dad, because now I'm being called Dad. (laughs) Dad, that doesn't even sound like a gift. And given what I know about these promises, you know that they cannot fulfill those conditions. And so someone might well ask, why even make the promise in the first place? Because that's what game systems require. And as we know, David's physical sons also failed to fulfill these conditions. They disobeyed, like their fathers before them, for that matter. And as a result, what happened? Well, David's earthly throne came to an end. But wait, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Because ultimately God's promise is not about what David's sons would or wouldn't do. Instead, the promise is about David's son. What he would do, what he did do at the cross for you, for me. What did he do? He came to fulfill all righteousness. He came to live a perfect life and did. He came to keep God's covenant. Did you know that's what you need for Christmas? You need a covenant keeper because you're not and neither am I. Somebody has to keep this promise and it has to be done perfectly. The prophets who came after David are very clear about this, including Jeremiah, who said straight out, listen to this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. 
In those days and at that time, listen, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteousness. You need to hear that. The Lord, our righteousness. That's talking about the Christmas presence. The presence of God coming to man as promised through the line of David for a kingly purpose, namely to rule and to save a people for himself. How? By becoming their righteousness. He would be the heir of all the promises God ever made. He would be the one who obeyed the law perfectly. He would keep covenant. Even if that meant dying for his people, which it did. As the cross and the empty tomb remind us. It's all, about, it's all part of the same story. You know that, right? It's all part of the gospel story. The faithful Lord, the promiser, who fulfilled his own promise. Why? Because the promise E couldn't. I trust that your presence here tonight is proof that you have already opened up yourself to the truth of his presence in your life. If not, then by faith you need to open up. You need to open up to this perfect gift this gift of God that's given to you, especially now that you know that his name is Jesus. Let's sing of his coming as promised. We're going to use the words and the tune of number 331 in our blue psalters. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Let's remain seated. 331.
because of the manger, the cross, the empty tomb. We just talked about that. Hear the word of the Lord. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done marvelous things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to the death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. The the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, the light of men. The word became flesh, dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said, I am the light of whoever follows me will never walk in darkness will have the light of life.
do have peace because God did send his presence to his people. 32 continues and this leads us straight to tomorrow morning. We're given these words of comfort and joy. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling. This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned for I have. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor will I satisfy. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints will ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but the crown on his head will be resplendent. Let's stand for a benediction. People of God, on this night of celebration, go with the full knowledge that your God not only makes promises, he makes good on those promises. And the result is good news of great joy. So before we sing joy one more time, hear these words that the angels are still singing in heaven to your king. To him who sits on the throne be blessing and honor and glory and power both now and forevermore. Amen.